Hello, everybody, and welcome to Humanity First. My name is Peter Evers, and I have the privilege and honor of being the CEO here at Bamsey. And we're going to have a great discussion uh, today on Humanity First because we have two of our great Bamsey behavioral health employees here. We have Jess. Uh, overseeing the clubhouse and a few other programs which we get to talk to uh, about, and also Teresa Dawson, who's our VP from Adult Services. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So May is Mental Health Month. It's also Children's Mental Health Month as well, and Mental Health Week. Um, and so it would be remiss if we didn't uh, have a conversation about mental health. And I always like to have a conversation about me- mental health as opposed to mental illness because I think we're getting to a point in the conversation nowadays where we're beginning to recognize that mental health is everybody's business. Um, you know, I, I was listening to somebody the other day talking about, why don't we talk about the brain in the same way that we talk about um, having a bad back, for instance. And this person was saying, you know, if you said I've, had a bad, I've got a bad back and I'm getting some help with that, um, people just don't think anything about it. But if you say, you know, I've been low for a little while and i got some help with this, there's still a stigma involved in that. I don't like that word, but it's a word that people understand. But I think we're making some good uh, inroads uh, myself, and I think Bamsey's doing an excellent job through the work that you you guys are doing. So before we sort of jump into a couple of things that we want to cover today, one is the Mental Health Awareness Month, uh, but also one of the activities that that we're going to be putting on um, on the 19th of May at 6 o'clock, which is our Mental Health Matters panel discussion. So I want to talk about that. But can we take a couple of minutes, um, Teresa, um, what do you co- what, what's the waterfront look like for you in terms of the programs that you cover here at Bamsey? Um, which programs yeah. that I oversee? Sure. So um, the biggest program is a network of nine residential programs um, in Brockton and the surrounding areas, as well as a program where we um, help folks with who are diagnosed with mental illness, you know, live their best life in in their own apartments, you know, with their families independently in the community. And then um, another program for a short-term um, respite stay, for, again, for folks who are referred by the Department of Mental Health who kind of need uh, breathing space or sort of a step in between hospital and maybe going home, that type of thing. And then um, all the other programs are the programs that Jess oversees, so I'll, I'll let her take that. <laughs> so I oversee um, several programs. One is the um, DMH-funded clubhouse for people living with um, mental health issues. Um, the Psychiatric Day Treatment Program, which is the Adult Day Treatment Program. Um, the re- Peer Recovery Learning Community, um, which is all peer-run, peer-led. Um, the HIV services, which encompasses um, programs for people living with HIV, those at risk, as well as the transgender community, um, and then some elderly services, um, where we have service coordinators that are in the Brockton Housing Authority high-rises and housing developments, as well as a, um, a senior center, Dorn Davy Senior Center, where people are able, you know, those who are elderly and disabled are able to get services. I always like to hear that because although I've been here for a year, it always amazes me to think about the breadth and the and the profundity of the services that we provide to people. But also, when we when you think about it, um, we take care of generations of people, especially with the children's services, mm-hmm. which we haven't mentioned here. But uh, you know, add those to the continuum of services that we're providing, not only age wise, 
but also in terms of the acuity of the illness. And we know that um, that mental health and mental illness is one of those illnesses that has an arc, and, and that arc always bends towards recovery. And all of those programs that we provide sort of shout the, uh, the message of recovery mm-hmm. and the message that, you know, this illness doesn't define you. It's something that you live with, uh, and you may live with it all your life. But these services sort of build the strengths around the strength of the individual in order to um, in order to, to that person can live their life to the fullest. I was we, before we came on the air, we were talking about Toronto State Hospital, which um, I was uh, where where I worked actually for three years um, at, the, at the turn of this century. Um, and that is the the highest and most acute level of care that you can get. Mm-hmm. But, but but when you think about what goes on at clubhouses, providing services mm-hmm. for people, employment services, this recognition that we don't maintain people in their mental illness, but we move them through it towards recovery, so that people reach their um, they, they they reach their full potential. So I suppose it's May. It we're celebrating. We're celebrating mental health. Um, what do you guys think um, about the progress that we've made over the past 20 years uh, in terms of delivery of service? Because you're the expert in that. Do you feel that we've moved along that continuum to really putting the individual in the in the driver's seat, if you like, of their care? Mm. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. And I've been working in the field for 20 years. Um, I, and I think I've said this before, um, is that, you know, with the implementation of um, people with lived experience peer and peer folks within programs, it sort of speeds things up and helps, mm-hmm. you know, the program and the staff understand better, you know, that the person is in the driver's seat. So that's definitely helped. And I feel like, you know, that the pandemic has helped in a way speed things up because oh, really? I feel like... May's Mental Health Month was a little bit more sort of outside of us, and we're doing events because we want to make sure people have awareness of what's going on with the people we serve. And I feel like in the past year, the conversation is a lot more around people who are providing the services. We have some of the same experiences and helping them talk about it and talking about self-care and talking about, you know, we're having some of the same issues in our families that other people are and then mm-hmm. kind of closing that gap a little bit. So that's my latest theory is that that's kind of a silver lining around the pandemic. Yeah, I, I agree with both. I think the addition of peers in all of basically pretty much all of my programs has been um, a real game changer in, in getting making the per- people we serve more comfortable and and more willing I think to share um, and share their recovery and share their challenges um, and then I, I also think the pandemic has really brought it out more in the media mm. I, I feel like I'm hearing a lot more about mental health and um, you know from local media to the international to national news um, they're really talking more about about mental health so you know, hopefully when this is all over, whenever that is, that that discussion, you know, will continue mm-hmm. or it'll, it'll continue to be really at the forefront that it is now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, Mental Health Month is, is about uh, spreading the word, is getting, is normalizing those conversations. I couldn't agree with you more, Teresa, that everybody in, in a way has had a glimpse uh, of, what, of what this condition is like because, you know, isol- people are isolated. They haven't been able mm-hmm. to see their loved ones. 
and that you know we are we connect as human beings that's mm. that's what we do uh, and the inability to do that is going to pay a toll and I you know I was talking to somebody yesterday about well how often we use our EAP the mm. Anthem EAP and we don't use it very much mm. we've got to get the word out to encourage mm. people to reach out for help because this is a normal reaction to a very unusual situation mm. I like that I like the idea of jumping on the benefit from this uh, pandemic and believe me there aren't many <laughs> benefits but this idea of understanding of what the of what the brain is and how the brain functions and how the brain uh, interacts with our community is is really important to mm. to get people talking yeah and it's kind of shifted gears too because we were talking about the anxiety of people being home and and now we're talking about people going back to the office and the anxiety or the you know stress they may feel about actually leaving their home and getting back into the office and mm. and what that'll be like the mm. topic i i worry about a lot is um the covid generation in regards to kids as well mm. where i feel that it is really important that we start this conversation both in terms of advancing the conversation about mental health as a whole, but just for people's common good um, amongst uh, kids and, um, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school age kids, Mm -hmm. because their lives have been interrupted in such a significant way over the last year. And we don't quite know what the mental health ramifications are going to be of that moving forward. Um, There is not just, you know, the, the mental health impact of what the year has been, but also the fear of contagion and, you know, mm-hmm. kids you know, wearing masks and all, all those different th- things that have been implemented that we don't quite know what the, the impact is, is going to be. And um, I mentioned your, both of your thoughts on, on that, where how do we get to a place and we're starting to see more and more um, collaboration between mental health organizations and school districts. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do we get to a, a place where there is that common discussion which takes place where a kid as easily as he says, you know, or she says, you know, my throat hurts, uh, my ear hurts. So, you know, what? I'm, I'm not, I'm feeling off. Uh, I'm just, I'm just, you know, a little depressed or I'm a little sad. And that, that means something. Hmm. Hmm. Um, Well, I I don't work with kids, but, you know, having my own family and knowing a little bit about what, uh, you know, is going on in the schools and the communities, um, they have a little bit of a leg up again maybe when I went to school in that Mm -hmm. there are people that are outreaching and, um, you know, helpers and guidance counselors and um, school psychologists and so, and groups and places where kids can talk about how they feel. So that's great. And you're right. This is like a whole nother layer of on top of that, you know, um, trying to, you know, figure out how the pandemic is really affecting them, making sure that they talk about it and they get what they need. So um, I guess yeah, I think we'll see. It, yeah. You know, it's funny because I was, I was on a panel um, last week talking about this and there are so many underlying issues for our kids nowadays, and I, I know what you mean. Teresa is saying it's easier in some ways, maybe some ways it's harder. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think about social media and you mm-hmm. think about bullying and you think about how the message go, messages go around the world, mm-hmm. and there's some very well documented cases of that. But I do think um, that it's a little bit of a paradox here that you know that anxiety is now 
diagnosed like 10 times what it used to be. Mm -hmm. I read something the other day that said, you know, seven out of 10 kids struggle with anxiety in the school and Mm -hmm. uh, uh, home situation. Um, I think that might be a little bit much. I think otherwise we're just broadening the the definition of generalized anxiety disorder. Maybe that's that. But on the other hand, this is the optimistic bit for me. And I, I have kids and I've worked with kids for years, but they're much more likely to say what you just said. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm feeling down mm-hmm. at the moment. And, you know, I'm not, I'm a bit off. Um, I certainly wasn't encouraged to do that. And mm-hmm. I came, my mother was a nurse, mm-hmm. not a psychiatric nurse, but she, you know, would be, you know, get on with it kind of thing instead of taking pause to listen and to exploring traumas mm-hmm. and that kind of things. And I am, I'm sort of a little bit hopeful um, that, that this generation of kids are more... Um, uh, they feel entitled to, to, to sort of say that. Yeah, I I think there's, and I, I want to get onto other topics, but that for some reason this is kind of with me today. Um, I think that there was a problem as well with overdiagnosis, and you're kind of referring to it there. There was a time period where I was younger, and I seem to remember you know a lot of Ritalin diagnosis and teachers being like, "Hey, we got we got 30 kids here, and they're bouncing off. The, there's 10 that are bouncing off the walls. Maybe mom and dad should you know look into." There was that that took place for for a period of time, and I think there's an aspect of of being a kid, but I also think that having the conversation is important, and the awareness is important, and that's the the piece that I think is significant as kids return to school and we come out of the the pandemic is for kids to be able to not necessarily self-diagnose or for us to look for you know anxiety disorders and they don't exist, because, but to acknowledge that we all go through anxiety and we all go through depression and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's one of the, the biggest pieces that I hope, you know, come out of um, this uh, pandemic, because we've talked about before, I feel like as much as this has been a um, physical health issue, this has been a mental health issue because we worry about the virus. We worry about, mm-hmm. does, do you have the virus? Do you have the virus? What if the virus is here? Like, what do, what, and then what happens? And then we have to test and, and all of that. And mm-hmm. so do I, go, do I go into work? Do I go see my parents? So all of that has created this you know, tremendous strain on our, our mental health. And you know, we're having our uh, mental health awareness time to talk, time to listen event coming up next Wednesday at uh, 6 p.m. and um, folks can register for that at uh, bamz.org um, or check out our Facebook page where there's the registration available as well. And I feel like that's the perfect phrase because it is time to talk. There's never been, as Teresa was mentioning earlier, a better time to talk about our mental health because mm-hmm. everyone is feeling it. Everyone understands and there's that kind of commonality. And the panelists are great. They have... Um, a, a tremendous diversity in um, their stories, their backgrounds. Um, Bob Sosi, uh, the voice of the Patriots, is moderating it, and he is a tremendously um, thoughtful um, and caring individual who I think is going to be great on this. And I'm really excited for the event. And I want to get you know, your thoughts, uh, Teresa and Jess, on on the panel. And you know, as professionals, I mean, what is the what is the hope for? not just this particular event, but for the direction we can go as an organization in continuing this uh, this conversation, continuing to battle stigma and creating an environment of inclusion. Hmm. Yeah, so I, I think the panel, like you said, is great. Um, you know, there's folks from, we have a woman who is the program director of our peer recovery learning community, 
um, and she's going to talk about her um, her story as well as the story of her son who's um, living with mental illness. Um, we have another gentleman um, who works for our HIV program. He's the trans health coordinator, and he is going to be talking about you know his story um, with mental illness as well as um, his experience as a transgender person. Um, and then we also have... Um, D, who also works for the HIV program, and she's going to kind of talk about her experience too. So, um, and then and then Mark. Um, Mark Reedy, who works for our ACCS program as a peer specialist, and um, since we were just in rehearsal right before this, mm-hmm. um, he reminded me, and I don't really remember um, that I interviewed him <laughs> and hired him, and it makes me feel so good because he's been here for so long. And he's helped so mm-hmm. many people, so. Um, Really, I can't can't wait to I think, for the event. I, you know, we talked about this so many times before, but that there are transformational moments in behavioral health, mental health, and the move to hire people with lived experience into mm. the workforce is one of those transformational moments. And like I would say, it's up there with development of antipsychotic mm. medications, for instance. Mm. Just in terms of how that moves people along, when you think about the individual, you think about the professional clinical treatment and then the third leg if you like is the support that somebody who's walked in those shoes has um just on on that for a second um as an individual that uh has dealt with um mental illness since i was 10 or 11 years old um i remember going into see the child psychologist and it was ridiculous to me (laughs) it was like it's like what does this person know about me and it's like i was like this is a complete waste of of my time and you know i don't really open up a lot about it but i have learned more from reading and listening to other people talk about their mental health um i talk about bruce springsteen a lot um when there's been many individuals uh, but I feel that like I've learned, I learned more from that than being you know, with than that my parents got me like you know the best childs or whatever. And like um, I'm like this is a waste of time. Like what am I doing here? And I know obviously my experience is not all people's experience, and I'm not you know putting down the industry. But I do feel there's so much more to be gained from peer supporters versus mm-hmm. just creating that element of okay, this person understands me. And there's obviously a lot of professionals who are as evidenced by individuals on our panel who have lived experience. But to me, that's so important. And I'm, I'm curious as to what you've seen, uh, Teresa, with, with Mark and what he is able to do, what Barbara is able to, mm. uh, to do, and, you know, Jean Denis um, and Dee. And they work in the areas in which they have experience. And to me, that is so, so important mm-hmm. uh, to have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, beside um, that he has just a fan, Mark now has a great relationship with his um, people, you know, to the point where when he did, couldn't see them face-to-face, I mean, um, you know, it was it was great when he came back to work and he could actually start working with them again face-to-face. Um, he really helps us, his teammates, though, understand um, what he's been through and what our folks have gone through and remind us about things that, you know, we might take for granted or we just don't know. Um, and so that's that's really helpful. Um, and I think he helps us, you know, understand that it's okay to, like, tell somebody if you've gone to the therapist or mm-hmm. you're on a medication because he does it so freely and it's so natural. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
and so it's contagious, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think it's the same with, you know, the three staff that I mentioned that, you know, just knowing coming into a program that there's someone like you, that there's someone who's going through or has gone through what you've gone through, what you're going through, and they're now working doing that, I think seeing that is just a great, you know, thing for people to see. Mm-hmm. And it's really motivational. Um, it lets them know that they're, you know, okay, that they're normal. I mean, I don't want to use that normal word, but, you know, that they're, it's something they can strive for. It's something that, you know, you know, they were, the staff was, they were at low points. They mm-hmm. had challenges. They can share those challenges with, with people who are going through, who mm-hmm. are struggling mm-hmm. and knowing that, you know, you can come out on the other end. It's so, you mm-hmm. know, it's okay what you're going through mm-hmm. now. We'll get you through it. We're going to do, you know, steps. And, yeah, know. I think a lot of times people feel like there's something, not that they don't, they strive to be normal. I think I, you know, strive to be normal, and I realized that was ridiculous. And I'm like, um, no, nah, <laughs> None I kinda, of us are normal. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> but you think there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. you, so in order for there not to be something wrong with you, you have to strive to be normal. So, like, you move, that's the, the trajectory that you go on, and you realize, oh, yeah, we're all, we're all different. And, you know, people, when they have thoughts, whether it's thoughts of suicide, whether it's uh, like Mark was talking about and is going to talk about uh, in the event on, on Wednesday, hearing voices, um, it's, it's something that, that I wouldn't say happens regularly, but it, it happens. Mm-hmm. And for, for folks to, you know, when they think it, when they, it first happens, they, they, they fear the worst and they shut down and they don't want to talk about it and they try to deal with it on their, on their own. But those are the best times, you know, when you are thinking about it and you're cognizant and you're concerned, that is the time to reach out. That is the time, you know, to be engaged with other individuals and try to find out solutions because there are solutions. And um, I, I hope that folks that listen to this um, and are part of this, you know, seek those uh, solutions, Peter. I do too. I mean, it, it, it is all about normalizing the conversation. It is, it is normal to feel in the human um, in, the, in the human lifetime that you'll have some disruption of your emotional uh, state. Uh, just talk about it. Keep talking, uh, and that's the hope. Well, Teresa, uh, as well as Jess, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for your your work with Bamsey on these topics, and uh, look forward to uh, keeping the conversation going. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. That is uh, Teresa Belsan along with uh, Jess Almeida. I am Chris Ryan along with Peter Evers. This has been the Humanity First podcast. Have a great rest of the day, everybody.